Hi guys, have you ever been in a fight? I was in a fight when I was a teenager, young teenager, preteen maybe. The only physical fight I was ever in, and it was winter, and I can't remember why we fought, but it was just kind of something petty. But the thing was, it was winter, and I had gloves on my hands, and I threw one punch, and I'd never thrown a punch before, number one. And number two, I was wearing very thickly insulated winter gloves, and it just, it was like, I think he ended up pushing me to the ground, and then everybody broke us up. But I got the only punch in, but didn't do anything. My hands were too soft. I wasn't prepared to fight. I had never fought before, and I, I wasn't... I was wearing things that softened the blow. (laughs) Hey guys, I think sometimes the same is true for us. We enter this God thing and we are not prepared for a fight, but it is a fight that we get. Did you know that? That's what we're going to talk about today. This is a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori, and this is the fifth and final episode of a series called Jesus Don't Take the Will, where we're discussing... God's sovereign will in light of our will and how those two things fit together. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into the episode. I got into a fight on Facebook a couple months ago. (laughs) Well, actually, I was having a discussion with someone and they were having a fight, I think, is what really happened. So interesting. A lot of the people I, I interact with on Facebook... Or people I used to know person personally face to face, right? And so this this individual was um, someone I knew from church. It was from my grandparents and parents' church, the church I grew up in most of my young life. After my parents and I returned from Australia, where they were missionaries, so like from fifth grade on, this was a person in church, person I knew well, person whose home I visited. I was friends with them and their family, and like someone I knew well. And, a couple months ago, I made this post about how as Christians we need to come to the middle and find a middle ground because our culture is so polarized into all these opposing camps. And I wasn't referring strictly to the political arena, but this person I think took it that way, number one. Number two, they are someone who's more on the right. And so you know, they saw this post of mine calling for grace and forgiveness and kindness in a way that we could all come to the middle, you know, concerning our different views and just because we've become so polarized that we need to learn how to be like decent humans again and really make space for people. So that was kind of the intent of the post. And she came in and she was like, well, you can't come to the middle because those people believe this and that and they're doing this and they're evil. And I was like, okay. So she was like using this language of a battle and she was like, using it in terms of Jesus, because Jesus has called us into a fight. And I was like, yes, I, I think that's true. So we got into this, this discussion, and of course, she was talking about some kind of fight in political terms against these people, and she was really talking more about the LGBTQ agenda and liberal activism, right, and how, in her view, it's, it's, it's bankrupt our society, and it's just made sin uh, normalized and it's made sin. It's, it's celebrating sin and all those things. And I was like, okay, well, so we were, you know, we this was like thirty different exchanges back and forth that we had. It was a really long discussion, but about in the middle, I could tell we were just missing each other. And I said, hey, you know, I, I don't really think we're on the opposite team here. We're both Christians. I said, just describe to me the fight you think we're in and how Jesus would have us fight this fight. 
and she she really she didn't respond directly and so um we as we discussed though i was like well you know explain to me why you think jesus would want you to fight in this way and why you think the battle is this political arena and it's a battle for our culture and you should fight it by suppressing other people's voices and rights and she was like well jesus in the temple and i was like yes so we got into a discussion. I was like, you know, you, you do know that Jesus turning over tables in the temple was his protest against his own religion and the way that religious people abuse their religious power for political means in order to subvert the masses towards their own agendas. And I was like, he was not addressing sinners, like in his day, prostitutes, tax collectors. He was addressing the religious, the corruption of, of the religious elite trying to bend their power towards political means. I was like, you know, aka the very thing you're doing and you think is right. Jesus was protesting and she was like, well, well, but, and she didn't really have a good answer. I was So we continued and the, the discussion just ended with her calling me names, basically saying I'm supporting perverts and pedophiles and I must be on the side of all these evil people. And then that was it. <laughs> And then she unfriended me <laughs> on Facebook. Uh, but that was it. And I was like, okay, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes we don't really understand the fight that we are in, right? So, sometimes as Christians, we don't, we don't even know we're in a fight or we think the fight is something other than what it really is. Either we're not engaged at all or we're engaged in the wrong way and not really effective in the fight. But when we became Christians... Like, we signed up for freedom, we signed up for all the good stuff, right? Blessings galore, God's favor, God's going to, like, give us bigger houses. And my wife and I went to this one Pentecostal church. When we lived in Huntington, West Virginia, we church shopped for about a year. And one church we went to seemed really good at first, and then they got to the offering, and they had this, uh, they put up on the screen this mantra that they recite every time that they gave their offering and it was like we're believing God for checks and more checks and more money and bigger houses and bigger cars and bigger paychecks and better jobs and checks in the mail and money 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 and woohoo and we were like okay uh where's the door <laughs> we were we're out like this was the health and wealth kind of mentality and sometimes we come to God even if we're not to that extreme we come to God and we're like I'm signing up for all the good stuff God and then God's like uh but there's a fight. You're actually entering a fight, right? We talked about this in the third episode, the punishment we deserve, right? The first thing we can say about the fight we enter is it's inside of us. And we're going to read from Ephesians. It's the, it's the quintessential passage on the fight, about the fight, you know, for our fight is not against flesh and blood. But like, you know, the first thing we can say is as soon as we become Christians, we're not like sanctified, saved and sanctified instantly out of, up out of the water, right? We actually enter a fight, and as as Paul writes in Romans, I think it's 6 or 7, he's like, man, there's this fight inside me. I do not do what I want to do. What I do not want to do, I do. And so, like, of course we enter a fight. We can, we can see that at least on a personal level, that when we become Christians, there's a lot of work to do because the flesh is so strong, and I've talked about that. And, of course, he leads into Romans 8, which I read last week. Concerning freedom, like if you're going to be free in Christ, what that means is you're free from the flesh. But guess what? When you become a Christian, the flesh is still very strong. And of course, from the third episode, we talked about how God disciplines the flesh. And it, that is what, you know, 
I think it was Corinthians. It actually says, you know, those God loves, he punishes, he disciplines. And so, like, the first thing we can say after coming to God about the fight we enter is that it's in ourselves against the flesh. But as we come to freedom, right, as the flesh is crucified and the Spirit more and more brings us to life, as we become more free, as we get more free of our own will and we become more under the will of God, which is the paradigm we're talking about, right? Our, we're bound by the system of sin and slavery and we're actually bound to a kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, as we'll read in Ephesians, right? As we become free in God's kingdom, as the, as the flesh gets more and more crucified and the, the Holy Spirit through our spirit begins to lead more and more and we get to this place where we're no longer seeking our will and our ego self is, is becoming more and more diminished, Right? As we get to this place of freedom, true freedom in God, where God's will is supreme and our will is subservient, and we're like, I don't want, it's not what I want anymore, God, it's what you want. And God's like, oh yeah, now we're walking in freedom, and now you have agency to make better choices. And so it's cool because we start out enslaved, we become more free. It's not the paradigm of Jesus taking the wheel away from us, it's the fact that we never really had our hands on the wheel anyway. But as we come back to God and realize our vehicle, the vehicle of our life, was careening out of control with nobody really at the helm except maybe Satan and our own evil desires, we didn't have very much control. But as we come back to God, the reason Jesus doesn't take the wheel is because we learn in relationship with God and in concert with God how to pilot our own lives according to his principles and by his spirit. But it's still like we're actually taking the wheel as we get into freedom. Right? But when we get free, you know what else happens? We enter a different kind of fight. You know, the fight against the flesh inside us never really ends. But the more free you get in God, the more you realize and come in contact with the true battle, which is not against flesh and blood. Which brings me to my pop song. Every episode, we've had a pop song that we've kind of led from and used. So... Let me, go, let me go there. Um, let me look that up. It is by Imagine Dragons. Imagine that. <laughs> oh, Dad jokes will never end with me, by the way. Anyway, Imagine Dragons. It's called Demons. Ooh, that's appropriate. <laughs> the fight we enter, it's with a kingdom, as we're going to read in Ephesians. This is just, I thought this was a good song. When the days are cold and the cards all fold and the saints we see are all made of gold, when your dreams all fail and the ones we hail are the worst of all and the bloods run stale, I want to hide the truth. I want to shelter you. But within, but with the beast inside, there's nowhere we can hide. No matter what we breed, we still are made of greed. This is my kingdom come. This is my kingdom come. What are we talking about, right? He's like, man, there's this thing in us. There's a fight within us. And like, as we get more purged of the flesh, the fight doesn't cease to be within us. We just experience it in a different way. I thought it was pretty cool. He's like, you know, if if you kind of take the lyrics and think about them, all the saints we see are made of gold. What is he saying? Like, and and then he says, the uh, the ones we hail are the worst of all. He's saying like, we now live in a culture where good people, saints, they're made of gold, meaning we can see them on icons. They're from the past. And like, but he's like looking around the people we praise now. They're, they're the worst. Like the people we idolize now, the rich, the successful, the sports figures, like these people are not good people. 
Where are the saints? They're the saints of gold, and they're the saints of old. But where are the saints today? Where are the good people today? And then he's like, even when I look at myself, I see this principle. Like I have this beast inside, this nature. We're made of greed no matter what we breed. It's like this is my kingdom, right? But we're entering a different kingdom, right? This is where my demons hide. That's the, the course. When you feel my heat, look into my eyes. It's where my demons hide. It's where my demons hide. When you feel my heat, look into my eyes. It's where my demons hide. It's where my demons hide. <laughs> Man, there's a, there's a battle. There's a battle going on. And like, it's happening inside us. It's, but, it, it, okay, let's just put it this way. It registers inside us. Like, that's where we feel it. That's where we actually fight. Um, that's cool. I just thought that was a cool song, and it kind of illustrates this idea. And he's really playing. He says, my kingdom come. Like, yeah, it's a, that's a reference. It's a scriptural reference to the, there's these kingdoms going on. What, when you're trying to build your own kingdom, you're actually feeding into Satan's. There's this auxiliary kingdom. This is the fight that we enter as we become free, we don't become free to live a life of peace in some kind of existential ecstasy where everything's so good and peace is so abundant for us that we never experience conflict. Now, we, we again, we're now freed in, in ourselves of the flesh to a degree where we're kind of starting to learn how to walk with God. But it draws us into a fight because now we really are seeing the reality of the world around us more clearly. As you walk with the Spirit... As you learn to keep in step with the Spirit, as Galatians says. What do you think the Spirit sees when the Spirit looks at the world? The Spirit sees who is aligned with God and who's not. And the Spirit sees the spirits behind those two kingdoms. Um, I, I've been really meditating on this one passage. It's uh, two of the Gospels talk about the temptation of Jesus, right? Uh, the third mentions it briefly, and then John just doesn't really talk about it at all. But it was it's an interesting thing because it appears in both gospels that really give the full story of Jesus' temptation. And it says, the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness where he first fasted for 40 days to subdue the flesh and then he faced Satan. And it says, after that time, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is so cool. This is a paradigm, people. This is a model. The first thing Jesus had to do was to confront the flesh, right? We talked about that. That's what we're getting free of. The flesh is, I want to do what I want and don't get in my way and whatever feels good to me and whatever I like and whatever I don't like, just I want to kill it. <laughs> and I will. All right, my way. And so Jesus spent 40 days fasting to subdue his flesh and then he faced Satan. But it, the cool thing I, I saw in that is that the Holy Spirit led him to face Satan. Like... You know, what do you think? Like, becoming more in tune with God, it's like, in the Spirit, and we're walking with the Spirit, and we're like, oh, primrose path, and blue skies, and birds are chirping, and woohoo! And, uh, you know, even when, if you've suffered a lot because of your flesh, and you've really come through the fire of refinement, and you've been purged and pruned, as Scripture talks about, and you're free, guess what? That doesn't mean suffering's done, because now you've got to cr- confront an even greater darkness, the original darkness, the origins of darkness, the kingdom of darkness. And it's funny, but you get free and you learn to walk with the Spirit. Then you have to confront Satan himself. Because now you're no longer bound by the thing that Satan prefers we be bound up by, which is the flesh, which is just do what you want and forget God and forget 
other people and just please yourself. And once you start to get free of that, then you're like, then Satan's like, oh, well, I don't have him wrapped up that in that thing anymore. And now they're like, ooh, now they see me behind it. That's kind of what happens. Let's go ahead and jump to scripture. Um, Ephesians. I have a couple different. I have a couple different passages, but we're, I probably will only get to Ephesians. I want. It's kind of interesting. Ephesians chapter six. The first part of that chapter talks about children obeying their parents and slaves obeying their masters, and this is a passage that some critics of the Bible say, or will point to and say, "See, the Bible supports slavery." But it's, he's not talking about earthly authority. But he's talking about authority. He's talking about how. Christians orient themselves in the world concerning authority. And there's a way that authority manifests through people. But the true reality of authority comes in verse 10. Okay? So, you know, it's interesting in those passages because he talks about children being obedient to parents and slaves to masters. But he's setting up a paradigm. He's trying to talk about things deeper than those things. But it's interesting because to to parents and to masters, he also says, and you're also under the same God, so watch out. So, this is about relationship and authority and relationship. And he's saying God has set up authority in the world to work a certain way. And we need to honor that authority. But then there's also this other kingdom of authority. And we need to understand how authority works. And that people in authority are also under God. Right? Um, I'm not going to get into the slavery thing. That's just... Or the parents thing, right? <laughs> anyway, verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Okay? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Right? We're empowered by Jesus. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Within us, we don't have any power, right? Remember, we've talked about that already. The, you know, the punishment we deserve, the, you know, the road we're on, the, um, I can't remember the second one. <laughs> but all this is about, we can't do it ourselves. We're, we're stuck. We're enslaved. You know. So be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This is literal. This is like, man, I wish you could have a real practical grasp of the power of the Holy Spirit available to you in, at all times for all reasons. I've had so many times where even in a state of physical weakness or physical tiredness. I prayed and the Holy Spirit has provided strength. Jesus as our food and drink. Jesus said, my flesh is food. My drink is blood. What do you think he's talking about? He's like, I am energy for you. Real true. The scripture says the Holy Spirit um, even gives life to our mortal bodies. Like, man, I've just had times and I'm like, I'm not a super Christian and it's not like every day I walk around like floating, but um, like I've just had times where Literally, I've been sick or tired, and I've prayed, and the Spirit has remedied that through His strength. Because Jesus is real energy, real food. Jesus can really affect even our physical bodies. If you believed that, man, it's there. If you really believe, like uh, one one time, I was at my friend's, and the next day I was leaving on to go visit uh, to go to a family reunion, and. And he called me that night and he's like, I'm sick and I'm pretty sure it's COVID. And I was like, Holy Spirit, I I just can't get COVID right now. And I was like, just don't let me get COVID. And I prayed and I knew it was true. I like I knew he could do it and I knew like I knew I needed to go. There were reasons beyond just I wanted to go. 
And I didn't get COVID, and he did. I mean, I was in his house with him eating a meal, right? I mean, it's not like, like you know, I should have got it, but I didn't. God, the Holy Spirit, gave me that power. Like, there is real power in the Lord, in Jesus, through Jesus. That's communion. That's what communion is about. When you take communion, next time you take, every time you take communion, it's a Eucharist. It's an exchange. You should say, Lord, you are real food. You are real drink. You are real energy in my body, my heart, my mind, my soul. You are the strength I need. And then he continues, Paul continues in verse 11. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against this, the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Stop there for a minute. Put on the full armor of God. He's gonna, Paul's going to use a Roman soldier and the armor that a Roman soldier typically wears to describe these different parts of this armor. But he's like, put on the full armor of God. It's, oh, it's God. God has things for you, has strength for you. So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Man, as I've become more surrendered to God, this has been a, a real intense seven-year process where I've really suffered and really experienced um, attacks from the enemy, from Satan, from evil spirits, from even other people's spirits. I've had to learn. But like, the thing that I see is there's a lot of schemes out there. There's a lot of things that are swirling around me that will come at me and attempt to um, build a stronghold in my thinking, in my heart, in my emotions, in my thought process, in my idea of truth. Like, I can just tell you, here's a good example, okay? I'm spiritually sensitive and I've grown more spiritually sensitive, right? This is what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit. Walking with the Holy Spirit, what do you think that means? It means, like, you can really sense what the Spirit would say to you, but you're also sensing spiritual things. And so... Lately, I've recognized when I drive down the road, I can hear this fearful message on, a, on any road of just like a fear of being hurt. There's a re- so it's, it's a message and it comes through a thought and a feeling. But the thought and the feeling is be afraid. This is a dangerous place. People die here. And I ride a motorcycle a lot. So it's even like especially in motorcycle culture, it's even, there's even more of a spirit of fear. There's a spirit of fear on the road or that is associated with ri- driving. But here's the cool thing is I, I hear it and I feel this fear and the Holy Spirit is, tells me that is a culture, there is a spirit in a sense. It can come from people's spirits and evil spirits. But he's like, this is a spiritual reality of fear that just is a kind of normal spirit of the road but you don't have to pick it up don't pick it up i'm with you and so i begin to meditate and pray because the fruits of the spirit you know are multi and they're not just the things paul lists in galatians love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness, self-control but i'll start to meditate on peace and protection like there's this fear that says be afraid and so it's like peace you don't have to be afraid and then god's protecting god's providence and protection so i begin to pray god's providence and protection into the spirit of this place, which is fearful, and I begin to, in a sense, cast out the spirit of fear. So I am, I've got the armor of God on. What, what's the sword of the spirit? Oh, this is so good, people. What does the sword do? Uh, uh, Hebrews tells us that the, the word is living and active, piercing, 
even dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It's like the Holy Spirit is the sword not to kill people, but the Spirit pierces through. This is the Spirit of truth, right? The Spirit will pierce through what's going on and say, this is really what's going on. And then we call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. We call, we say, Jesus, give, us, give me strength. So this is what's going on in the scenario. It's like full armor of God is, well, part of the armor is the sword. Like when I'm first hit by a fear, my chest, chest plate of righteousness, helmet of truth. My mind is hit with a false truth. Be afraid. There's some, this, this is a dangerous place. Helmet of, um, I think it's a helmet of truth. Helmet of truth is like, no, no, God's with me. That's not true. Breastplate of righteousness, my heart. I, I'm feeling afraid. Oh, but no, God is with me and he's, he makes all things right and he's good and I'll be okay. That's the armor. So I'm standing, but I'm still also standing firm against these schemes, these other truths, right? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Did you ever wonder when people say heaven, we think God? Heavenly places, that's the spiritual realm. Like Satan and God both occupy heavenly places, spiritual reality, the non-physical right? They both dwell in this place. There is a spiritual reality, right? That's the fight we enter. We have aligned ourselves with God, and now all of a sudden we are in a kingdom and for a kingdom, but there is a kingdom against that kingdom, and that's the fight you enter. You are not entering a neutral zone when you come to God. You are, you are actually in the fight for real. And guess what? When you're wandering through life, even if you're a Christian and you're just lackadaisical and apathetic and you've, you're still dominated by the flesh, Satan's like, eh, I could care less what you do. In fact, call yourself a Christian and live fleshly and that's great because you'll misrepresent God and you have no effect on my, me and my kingdom. You're actually bolstering my kingdom because you're a Christian and people are like, well, that's a Christian. They're worse than non-Christians often. And I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm just saying, like, you don't, like, Satan has no desire or no need to confront you at all. If you're a fleshly Christian, you're not walking in the Spirit, the flesh is not subdued, but like, bam, as soon as you step into the spiritual and you begin to subdue the flesh, guess what? Then you're really in the fight, and then Satan's like, "Uh uh-oh, bam, man, this guy, I can't leave this guy alone. I can't leave that girl alone. Man, no, oh my gosh, now they know what's going on. Now that's the person I'm really going to come against. Like, (laughs) hey, I'm not trying to scare you guys from, or or, or make it sound like it's not a good thing. But when you step into freedom, you know then what is the thing that is enslaving everyone. You see it clearly. And then you know you're in a fight. And then you know you need to really make sure you've got this armor on. Right? And now he says in verse 14, um, verse, uh, let's pick up with verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. This is interesting, okay? So, there's another scripture that says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, the, the end of the sixth year of my seven years of being tested severely and suffering severely, like, I went through uh, like I went through this season of three or four or five months where I was it was mostly in the middle of the night I was attacked by evil spirits three four five times a week for five four or five months straight and it was like 
you know, my, my, this whole seven year thing started with the panic, three day panic attack where I was just crushed by this oppressive fear, right? First year was kind of just recovering from that. And then, so like my first and last year of the six year period were both intense. And that last year, like I told you that five month period, right? I knew I was being attacked by evil spirits. But it like, there was the four years in between my first year and my sixth year were pretty peaceful. Like I learned how to have inner peace. But like coming out of that was starting to learn about the spiritual environment around me and that even though I had peace, I had to confront the spiritual um, negativity in people and just uh, principalities. So like it started with another panic attack after I hadn't had panic attacks for four years. And the first time, the first night I had that panic attack, I knew it was an evil spirit, and I could actually hear the evil spirit, what they were saying, like, not audibly, but, like, in my spirit, in my mind, in my heart. I could feel and, and hear these thoughts and what it was saying. And it was, like, I was having a panic attack, and it was intense. God told me on that first night, he said, don't run from this. What, is, what was he saying? Stand firm, therefore. That's verse 14. Verse 13. Take up the full armor that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And then he says, therefore, stand firm. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. I've been learning how to stand firm, how to resist on the evil day. What do you think that means? What is the evil day? (laughs) For me, it's been every time I encounter an evil spirit, wherever I am. That's an evil day. There's an evil moment. There are moments when Satan will attack you, whether you know it or not, and he'll, he'll attack you with depression, with fear, with anger, with rage, He'll attack you with meanness. He'll attack you with the critical spirit. And like I've been learning all these spirits. He'll attack you with a cursing spirit. I've encountered a spirit of tripping on the stairs. Like I know it sounds a little wild, but man, the more you wake up to this reality, the more free you are, the more you're entering a fight. But the only thing you need to do is resist. That's why God told me, he says, don't run from this. Like the main thing that I've had to learn, the main armor that I have is standing firm in the truth. What's the truth? Through the cross, Jesus has already defeated Satan. How does Satan defeat us when we don't believe that we are victorious already? We don't understand all these things that we have in God, and we haven't practically learned how to stand in them and operate within them. Okay? Resist and stand firm. Don't run from this. That's what God told me. I was literally experiencing an evil spirit, and I've actually experienced a myriad of evil spirits, including Satan, including huge national spirits, including spirits over the church. It's been, but it's like, I've had to learn. Stand your ground. Don't run. And, and resist and stand firm. It's like, don't go after them and don't run away from them. Like, you know, I don't fight. I just stand. And, and what's Deuteronomy? Do not be a... Uh, I forget the reference or the exact verse it says you don't need to do anything you only you only need to stand still and i will do the fighting for you <laughs> like when we stand still god does the fighting for us and god wins because he's already won right cool okay so let's get into the actual armor let me just see okay i got a little bit of time here Verse 14, stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. My apologies. I called it the helmet of truth. It's the helmet of salvation and it is the 
belt of truth. It's interesting because the, the belt, and I'm not going to go into detail because I don't have all of them in my mind right now, the parts of the Roman gear that a soldier would wear. But the belt of truth kind of like tied everything together. Like it held the sword, and it wasn't just a belt like we think of to hold up our pants, but it was a big like garter type, you know, and it protected them, but it held the rest of the, it held, the belt would hold this skirt that was metal that could protect their legs. Breastplate was above that. Belt of truth, right? Breastplate of righteousness. Feet prepared with the gospel of peace. Shield of faith, which with, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Have you ever felt something pierce you intensely, like anger? Mostly it would be anger or fear. I've experienced that. And like the more free I've become, which you know what that means, the more I am at peace in myself and I know that I am very secure in God. And so I have this place of peace that's more and more undisturbed, more and more at peace all the time. I'm entering into shalom. And so when I feel a disturbance of that peace, I know generally it's from outside me. It's not something God is doing to discipline me. I'm no longer being punished or being disciplined as much. Like, I walk, I walk with God, I hear God, and God's presence and peace or spirit within me is peace. He's like, just, you're good. Like, I love you. And this is my main dominant uh, mode in life every day. It's like, I'm good. God loves me. I'm at peace. And I have this power, this growing power through the spirit and through Jesus, even my physical body when things don't go right. Like, I'm just more and more at peace. And so I can register when something hits me like fear or a thought. I'm like, hey, that's not from in me. I don't really even have that fear. Um, but I've experienced these flaming arrows where I am like completely fine. Nothing's bothering me. And all of a sudden, bam, I'm, my heart's racing. And there is this overwhelming fear about a very specific thing. That is a flaming arrow of the enemy. But how do you extinguish it? <laughs> shield of faith what is a shield of faith something I've been struck by this extreme fear anger depression it's overwhelming what's a shield of faith uh, but I know God's with me and I don't even worry about that like this, this there is this intense oppressive energy trying to tell me to really 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 be afraid of something or be angry and shield of faith is but God's with me and I'm okay I don't, that, that's not for me. I don't need to take that up. Resisting the devil, standing firm is like, no, I'm not going to follow that impulse, even if it's very intense. And I've experienced it very intensely. Uh, I'm extremely sensitive to spirits and I've become more and more sensitive, <laughs> which is what it means to walk with the spirit. The spirit, the Holy Spirit is extremely sensitive to the internal condition of every person. Imagine as you get more in tune with the spirit, you becoming more sensitive to the internal condition of people and the spiritual state of the world all around you, right? That is why it says, when talking about the enemy, it says, against the world forces of this darkness, world forces, the world, John even says in his first or second letter, he's like, we know that the world belongs to Satan. He's not talking about the created universe. He's talking about there is this paradigm of reality. There is this kingdom. There's this way of imagining life. And, and Jesus points to in his temptations that, you know, this, this truth is pointed out that all the kingdoms of the earth belong to Satan. He has established a system, the world. It's a system of darkness, right? And the, as we, but as we come out of it, we start to see it for what it is. And then we're really going to fight. And we really need to learn to put on all the armor of God. 
Right? The cool thing, though, I thought, um, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, right? You know that you're okay. You know that Jesus has redeemed you. It's not just like, I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die. It's like, what? The Eucharist. I know that Jesus is real food and real drink. Like, there is real power and energy for me in Christ. And, second part of 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. <laughs> you never had your sword drills and the people of the Bible and they look up verses and like, that's not the sword. That's not the Word that is being talked about here. Those are the words of God. I've, done, I've talked about this at lots of different, different podcasts. The word and the words are not the same. There are words God has spoken, but the word of God. What? Who? It's the spirit of truth. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's the Holy Spirit. The sword of the spirit is the only weapon we don't wield, right? We do not wield the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wields us, and we yield to the Holy Spirit that he may wield us. <laughs> yield and wield. But like the spirit is the only part of our whole soldier outfit that we do have... But it more has us. The Spirit pierces through all things and says, this is what's going on. And then we, well, we cry out to Jesus to save us. He's the power. The Spirit is the Spirit of discernment. It, it tests the spirits. It shows us what's going on. And people in the world around us, Jesus brings power. And the Father brings the paradigm. It's his kingdom. Right? This is the fight we enter. And this is what Ephesians lays out very clearly. It's, a, it's, a, it's about authority. Do you know the authority you have in God through Jesus and the Spirit in you? You have an authority to stand firm, to resist the devil. This is the true fight we're in. It's a fight that becomes very apparent. The more free you are in God, the more clearly you will see what's going on all around you and in you. Man, freedom leads us into the fight more and more. But guess what? It also empowers us more and more to be and walk in the authority. You know, it's really, I mean, it's really interesting. Both Paul and Jesus really took this approach towards human authorities, which was to be submissive. Because even Paul says we know that all authorities are established by God, which is interesting because Jesus also shows us through the temptations where we see that the kingdoms of the earth are established by Satan. But Paul's like, but God's over all that. Jesus and Paul both had this kind of posture towards earthly governments. And it was like, don't resist. That's not the fight we're in. We're not in a political fight. Remember my friend in a political fight against evil people? What script, this, this Ephesians passage said it's not against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. If you're fighting against flesh and blood, you're in the wrong fight. And you've actually, you're actually fighting dirty. You're fighting the enemy's fight. Because the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy is perfectly fine for Christians to attack all manner of people, including other Christians. Like, man, the, his, the if you go to my uh, long series called On Being Church, I talk about the Middle Ages and the church in the Middle Ages. And the church was picked up the sword, the sword of the power of governments. And it was literally killing other Christians and other people in the name of Jesus. Right? Crazy. Jesus and Paul were like, no, that's not the fight we're in. When you pick up a sword and you try to create a theocracy, a a national religion, you know, when you have national Christianity, then you're actually fighting on Satan's terms in his way, and you're actually fighting for his kingdom. And this is why Jesus could tell the Pharisees that they were more aligned with their father Satan than their father God. Woo-hoo, baby. Because the fight that we're in is not against flesh and blood. 
the more you are freed up to walk with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and come to life, the more you will see the true fight we're in and how to fight it. Right? Got to have your breastplate of righteousness. You got to. I'm going back to that verse. Um, you got to have the full armor of God. You got to have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet with the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Right. In order to be able to take your stand against who? Not against false truth, not against bad theology, not against other Christians who don't know as much as you, and not against certainly not against non-Christians who are just bad sinners and we gotta just punish and persecute them because that's not that's not God. But our fight is against flesh and blood. Our fight is against the kingdom of darkness, against Satan and his schemes. Well, how how can you possibly fight that fight? Well, you gotta be walking in the spirit and you gotta really see what Satan is doing, and you gotta be able to hear. What Satan is speaking all over the world, there are these spirits over cultures, over cities, over people, over organizations. There are spirits. When you begin to be free, you enter a fight where you start to really see what's going on. And then you got to really get prepared for that fight. And then you got to fight it your whole life. Man, I tell you what, though, being in a battle, battle after battle, this is like exposure therapy, man. And this is what's happened to me as I've learned to really see these spirits and what's going on, and it's freaking crazy. Like, worse than any bad horror film you could imagine in some ways. Like, not, not always easy, but man, the more you fight, the stronger you get. The more success, the more battles you win, the more you realize, ah, I really I have this armor, man. This armor is like unassailable. God is unassailable. There is strength for you. Like, Satan tried to attack God and he lost. So that his next play was to get us separate from God because he knew separated from God we would lose and he could attack us and win. As we come back to God, we have all we need in God through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit within us to handle the fight we are in. Cool. So maybe I didn't do a great job playing off of this metaphor of Jesus don't take the will, but I think I kind of got back to it in this episode, right? But, you know, what am I talking about? Jesus don't take the will. I'm talking about how God empowers us to live a new life. And we think it's the opposite of how it really is. We think we're the most free when we can do whatever we want. And God's not breathing down our neck telling us we're doing stuff wrong and telling us we better shape up or ship out. We think that's freedom, but it's... We're so enslaved to things we can't even understand. Remember I said Satan doesn't care about someone enslaved to the flesh. They're so bound up in a system that's so depraved, they're going to just do bad things and he doesn't have to worry about them. Man, when we start to get enslaved to God, then we become truly free and truly empowered. God, It's not God's desire to come in and take over our lives. It's God's desire to come and sit beside us, walk beside us, be a voice guiding us, empowering us to be to live life in God's image according to God's purpose to be free free as God empowers us free where we're piloting we're, we're in the driver's seat and Jesus is with us and we are going the way God wants but not because God is forcing us but because we want to because we know that's the best thing we could do to relent to God's will purpose strength 
mind, heart, everything God has for us. Like, why would you do anything but what God wanted? Why would you go in the strength of anyone but God? Like, that's the freedom we enter. And that's why God doesn't come to take over our lives to be some kind of dictator, tyrant, telling us what to do. But being a slave to God actually brings us the freedom to drive our own car. And you got like, what? Maybe the Holy Spirit's in the front seat and Jesus and the Father are in the the back. However it works, however you want to imagine it. But God wants to help us put us in the driver's seat again because we haven't been. (laughs) That's what it means for Jesus not to take the wheel. Hey guys, thanks for listening. This has been the Construction Monk Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ora. You can always catch more content at www.moderncontemplative.com I got some books that will eventually be released I got my YouTube channel you can check all that out hey I love you guys you need some driving lessons okay guys go go learn how to drive your own car (laughs) amen